BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, time to rise and grind with us on a Tuesday morning here in mid-February. This is the Early Line Series XM Channel 159, down your right side, and Davis Maddock this morning, ready to rock and roll over the next three hours. We got a lot of hot topics, but the one thing I certainly don't want to gloss over is yesterday, I wasn't here, so Davis held it down. We got to get into some Super Bowl talk, which we will a little bit later, but it's a good morning here. It's a snowy morning for me in the Northeast, Davis. How you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing I'm doing great. Uh, did the show yesterday with one Mr. Mark Zinno. Uh, not a fan mm-hmm. of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Mr. Mr. Zinno. I obviously am a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, so it was a good, uh, really, I mean, we just did Super Bowl for the first hour yesterday, and uh, I, I'm excited to, uh, to get into it with you. I mean, I could talk about this game. We could do this show all week, three hours a day, and we could still be going over that game. There was so much to talk about. Absolutely. And also, and the show yesterday on Moneyline I did by myself, it was just a whole hour of, come on, Kyle Shanahan, taking that football. But we'll get there, trust me. There's a lot of stuff to still gloss over there with the Super Bowl, and we'll get into that. But a big night here in the NBA as we take a look at the 7-7, seven and seven, which started with the Milwaukee Bucks, 112 over the Denver Nuggets, 95 impressive performance right out of the gate, took a five-point lead after the first quarter, won the second quarter here, Davis, by 11 points, and the third quarter by 12 points. We could be looking at an NBA Finals preview, which the Bucs were ready for the Nuggets last night. We definitely could. I got to eat it here. The Nuggets were my best bet yesterday. Now, Jamal Ooh. Murray did get injured. Jamal Murray got injured in this game. I don't really think yeah. that is as much of an excuse. Uh, look, Jokic, Jokic didn't have his best game. Brooke Lopez was up in his grill, 13 of 25. Not what you come to expect from Nicole Jokic. But honestly, good for the Bucs, just like starting to get it together under Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, the guy to lead them to an NBA championship. We'll certainly find out about that as we welcome in the radio audience. You're watching and listening live, Sirius XM Channel 159. This is the early line on a Tuesday morning. Donnie Wrightside and Davis Maddock hitting all of the hottest topics, including the 7-7, seven and seven, which means those Clippers were on the court at Crypto.com Arena last night. And they got smoked, Davis, by 21 points. The Minnesota Timberwolves, 121. The L.A. Clippers, 100. Backed by a big performance by Carl Anthony Towns, 24 points. Anthony Edwards, 23. A 20-plus point victory. How about that on the road for the T-Wolves, Davis? I've just been waiting for one of these signature games from the Timberwolves because you would think with them sitting atop the Western Conference, you know, like, oh, they, they have to just be feeling great right now. The vibes are high. No, the vibes have been terrible. Carl Anthony Towns getting benched. To close out games, fans were really disappointed with what they did at the trade deadline. We we kind of needed this. I think this this team needed a good signature win heading into the All-Star break. And, and honestly, the Clippers have been so good, so phenomenal over the last 40 games. I, I mean, this is just a little bump in the road for them. More about the Timberwolves, I think, than the Clippers playing really poorly. Yeah, two teams here that look to be forces out in the Western Conference. And also, now that we start to factor in that playoff deadlines coming up after the trade deadline, should be interesting to watch out. But a big win, nonetheless, on the road by the T-Wolves. How about those Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid? Who knows? We're actually fighting for playoff spots now here in Philadelphia. But Buddy Heald played last night, 36 minutes, dropping 5 of 8 from three-point range. The hottest team in the NBA was the Cleveland Cavaliers. But lot last night, the Sixers go on the road as underdogs and take down the Cavs 123-121. Nine in a row for the Cavaliers. The 76ers were 10 and a half point dogs. Zeno and I both said worst line of the night. No chance should the Cavaliers be favored by this much. Really just about Philadelphia kind of 
coalescing here without Joel Embiid. They're finding a style of play. One of the big things was Embiid went out and Paul Reed was playing through like a horrible cold, like a, like a, just a bad winter cold for like 10 days. And now he's finally feeling a little bit better and buddy healed. No one, no one respects Buddy Heald, man. That was a really good acquisition by the 76ers. I think he is really going to help keep them afloat while they wait to get Embiid back. Using Buddy Ball now as a term here in Philadelphia was fantastic here, Davis, in the late 80s to early 90s with Buddy Ryan. Now it's a new version of Buddy Ball in the NBA for the Philadelphia 76ers. Certainly a threat from the three-point line. A nice key piece picked up at the trade deadline by the Philadelphia 76ers. But let's move forward to the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, my goodness. The Spurs actually went on the road and picked up a victory. And more importantly, won by 20-plus points in the sixth last night by knocking off the Toronto Raptors 122-99. to And Victor Webanyama, a triple-double for the ages, 27 points, 14 rebounds, 10 blocks, 5 assists, and 2 steals. Davis, he was a monster last night. He was. We were so close to a 5 by 5 I mean, I, I wanted him oh to just be goodness. in there absolutely hunting steals, just sitting there, you know, trying to get whatever, whatever loose ball that he could. I mean, I think it's sort of interesting that Weminyama has been pretty much everything that was promised when he was touted as this generational pick. It's just the Spurs roster is so bad and so young around him, and the Western Conference is so strong, there's no chance of them winning any games. But I think the Spurs are, I mean, next year, if they decide to be serious in free agency and trade some picks away, I mean, they could be like the five seed in the West as soon as next year, I think. Yeah, it should be interesting to watch that play out. But I'll tell you, one team, when we left for Las Vegas last week, Davis, maybe the hottest team in the NBA, was those New York Knickerbockers. Get a loss last night, 105-103 to against the Houston Rockets. It was a close game. The Knicks were in it all the way up to the final shot, which ended in controversy. A tough foul call on Jalen Brunson leads to a couple free throws. And the Rockets, Davis, come away with a two-point victory. Yeah, a tough foul call that the ref immediately after the game said that he got wrong. You know, just said, like, look, I, I made the wrong call. Not that not that the Knicks will perseverate on it too much. I think the Knicks, uh, the vibes are very high there. I mean, look, these dudes got to be, that's got to be the most tired team in the NBA. Precious Achua and Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo are playing, like, 43 and a half minutes per night. These dudes are getting, like, one rest in the second quarter. In the third quarter, they're really laying it all on line. Classic Thibodeau ball there. It really was amazing how they went on that run, basically, without two of their top three starters in the lineup and still able to win ball games. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you. And as much in the NBA as you get runs during games, you get runs during the season. The Knicks were certainly on one. We'll see if they can rebound, get some of those players back in the lineup. But I got to tell you, if we go for college basketball here, Davis, we always say it's hard to win on the road, particularly in the Big 12. The Texas Tech Red Raiders, 79. The Kansas Jayhawks, 50. An almost 30-point win by Texas Tech as they move to 7-4 and four in conference play. And how about this? The Kansas Jayhawks, what are we talking about? Maybe midway, a little bit more than midway in the season here in conference play. Five conference losses already. Hunter Dickinson, where were you last night, Davis, here? Bill Self gets ejected out of this game. I mean, you can tell tensions are, are pretty high in that locker room for all those guys like Kansas basketball, sure, you know, they're they're primed for their sweet 16 exit every single year, but it, it's not supposed to, the vibes are not supposed to be bad right now. You know, the vibes, the vibes are supposed to be bad much later, you know, win the conference tournament, win your first two games in the tournament itself actually very easily. So uh, just kind of interesting, kind of interesting to see them fall. Maybe, maybe you falter a little bit in conference play and you get it figured out by the tournament. Maybe that's what they're hoping. No doubt about it. I'll tell you one thing, Davis, they got figured out. That's the Super Bowl at 6.30 p.m. Eastern every single year. People will watch no matter what the teams are. 123 million people, Davis, tuned in to the big show Sunday. It feels low. Doesn't 123 million feel – do you know anyone who didn't watch it? Like, it just feels insane to me that, it, that it's only 123 million. You're absolutely right about that. Like, if there's 300-plus million people in the United States, what were they watching? I'll tell you what they're watching. The Early Line, right here on the Sports Grid Network. Davis and Donnie, we got NBA talk coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, who says you need the Super Bowl for big game action? The NBA is going to provide that all the way through. Now that we're clear of football season, we're certainly going to set our sights much more importantly on the NBA and also NCAA college basketball. But for the NBA to say, hey, guys, I understand the Super Bowl was a big deal and it went to overtime. But let's throw you possibly a preview of an NBA Finals championship. That's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Denver Nuggets. The home team last night was the Milwaukee Bucks in this game. And also the Bucks came into this game supporting a 22-6 and over overall record here, Davis, and you take a look at the Denver Nuggets away from home, we're 15 and 13. Obviously, we know most NBA teams play better at home than they do on the road. 112 to 95 final last night. What surprised you most from this game? Was it a blowout in the box? How the Bucs handled their business? Giannis showed up. We knew Jokic would, but the bench here and the secondary scoring options not giving all that much for the Nuggets here, Davis. Yeah, I mean, look, I am pretty firm on the I'm not worried about the Nuggets until they, like, drop a home game in the playoffs. Like, if they drop a home game in the 1-8 matchup in the playoffs, like, maybe I'll maybe I'll start to get, like, a, a smidge concerned. But, I mean, come on. The, the Nuggets are the best team in the Western Conference. Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Jamal Murray both got injured. KCP in the first quarter, Jamal Murray in the second quarter, which led to 21 minutes for Peyton Watson. Justin Holiday had to play. Reggie Jackson and Christian Braun had to play a ton, and then they just emptied the bench in the fourth quarter. So you lose two of your starters. It's going to mess up your rotation a good bit. I, I guess really the primary surprising thing would be you'd have to search pretty far and wide for a game where Jokic actually decided, look, I'm just going to shoot. Like, I, I just, I'm actually just going to take over this game where the Nuggets didn't win. Like, in, in my mind, if Jokic is shooting 25 times, he probably scored 40 points, probably had 13 assists, probably had 12 rebounds, and just like completely dominated. And I mean, look, the Bucks, they, they needed this one, man. The, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a team with championship aspirations. I guess maybe the Lakers' vibes are probably worse than this, but. Pretty bad vibes for the Bucs heading into the All-Star break. So this was like a huge win for them. By the way, if we do take a look at this as a possible NBA Finals uh, matchup here between the Bucks and the Nuggets, both of these teams played twice this season so far. Obviously, you saw last night, Davis, 112-95 to final. But previously before that, the Nuggets were home, 113-107. Both of those games stayed under the total. Is that what we'll be seeing in a matchup here? Or maybe just an anomaly saying, you know what, some guys were injured here, were playing each other midseason. Would this be a lower-scoring series, would you think? Or maybe they get some of that tempo back in the playoffs when they're rested. No, I think neither of these teams play particularly fast. Um, Now, I guess the interesting thing is neither of these teams are what you would say are, like, built around their defense. You know, it's kind of the opposite of, like, the Timberwolves and the Celtics, who are the other two top teams in their respective conferences that are built around having the best defenses in their conference. I mean, that, that's been the issue with the Bucks all season, right, is that the, the players were actively rebelling against the defense that they were being asked to play. And so Adrian Griffin's like, all right, whatever, go back to what you guys uh, were doing before with Budenholzer. And then they weren't being particularly successful. And, I mean, I guess their, their second-best defensive player is 35 in Brook Lopez. So, like, maybe he just can't bring it every single night as hard. But I, I would expect a higher-scoring finals probably because neither of these teams are like real defensive identity teams wasn't a great overall game last night but the superstars certainly shined out there no doubt about it in milwaukee you take a look at Jokic out there 27 and a half points was his player prop got the 29 you flip it over to Giannis. 30 and a half was his player prop got the 36 points and Giannis has a tendency to do this like we take some things for granted here davis 36 18 and 5 for Giannis is absolutely incredible but Jokic certainly no slouch as well it's almost like when we see that triple double for Jokic that he doesn't achieve it's like oh that was an off game but if you look at the statistics 29 12 and 8 you'll 
take that every single time. I'm certainly that we'll see these teams possibly in an NBA Finals, and both of those superstar players certainly will match up. Let's flip it out to Los Angeles. Late night action last night in the West, the Clippers and the Timberwolves. Surprising effort here by the Timberwolves beating the Clippers by 21 points on their home court. This line closed around a four-and-a-half-point favorite here for the Clippers and a total of 223, which slightly stayed under. Were you surprised at this outcome yesterday, Davis? Uh, I mean, I did take the Clippers, but I, I can't say I am super surprised. I mean, one, because the thing that I've kind of been waiting for for uh, the Timberwolves all season was for uh, – it's just been for Anthony Edwards to kind of take a, a secondary leap, really really kind of as a ball handler, right? That, that's that been the big issue with the team is that their, their best ball handler is a 36-year-old point guard and Mike Conley. He's kind of the adult in the room that keeps the offense on schedule, on track. But their biggest ceiling as a team is going to be with Anthony Edwards being the primary initiator on offense. He's the one who's got the ball in the pick and roll. He's the one who's bringing it up. And what I think what we saw in this game was them going to that a little bit more because Mike Conley is not going to be able to get any space when Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden are there on the floor together. Harden, by the way, is like actually trying on defense, and because he's so strong, it makes a pretty big difference for them. But if Anthony Edwards is going to be this aggressive and and this strong, you know, I, I would guess, and I have to go look this up, I would guess anytime Anthony Edwards gets close to 10 assists, the Timberwolves' win percentage has got to be super high because it just means that the whole offense is functioning much more smoothly. Let's flip it over to Cleveland last night, coming in as the hottest team in the NBA, the Philadelphia 76ers, limping around, obviously, without Joel Embiid, and who knows when he's actually going to come back and rejoin the Sixers. So their goal right now is to just make the playoffs and hope Embiid can come back refreshed and ready there. But they pick up a 123-120 win in Cleveland, an upset outright victory over the Cavaliers, roughly favored by double digits at game time last night. Buddy Heel chipped in with 24 points, the same for Kelly Oubre Jr., and also Tyrese Maxey, 22. Balance balanced scoring effort for the Sixers here. But if you flip it over, Spider Mitchell did as much as he could for the Cleveland Cavaliers, 36 points on 9 of 20 shooting, which included 14 of 17 from the free throw line. Big time win for the Philadelphia 76ers here, Davis. Huge win. Look, I said it. I, I think I think Buddy Heald is just a really smart acquisition. This is just, just what Daryl Morey does, right? It, it, the cost was yep. very low. No one was, you know, begging to get Buddy Heald on their team. For example... Oklahoma City uh, acquired Gordon Hayward. I would have preferred as an Oklahoma City Thunder fan for them to get Buddy. I, I think he just, I think in the playoffs and, and in t- tight spots like this where sometimes, Donnie, basketball is a simple game. You just need someone who wants to get buckets. Like, you you got to put the biscuit in the basket to win games. And with, uh, with all these guys, I mean, the 76ers are so banged up. Batum is out. Covington is out. Embiid is out. Their rotation is down to, you know, they were starting KJ Martin and Paul Reed. They got Mo Bamba and campaign coming off the bench and buddy just went and got buckets. Kelly Oubre too, 41 minutes made 10 of his 14 shots. Like it just, they, they, they just kind of coalesced for this game. See how the Sixers can go through there. But Buddy Ball in Philadelphia should be able to help them out. Let's go down to Houston here. 105-103 victory over the New York Knicks here. A week and a half ago, Davis, hottest team in the NBA, you could have argued, was the New York Knicks. Now losers of four or five games. 103-103 late in that ball game. A pull-up three-point shot fouled by Jalen Brunson, which was unbelievably questionable. That's a tough loss for the New York Knicks. And even knowing now that the referee's like, yeah, you know what, Davis, uh, we got this wrong. Yeah, uh, I mean that's just got to be that's got to be tough if you're an NBA player to just be like, well, we didn't really deserve to lose that game. Like that sucks. Like I, I just I don't know. And in a regular season game, you probably get over it. But some of these minute totals. So first off, they're only playing a nine man rotation, right? So like almost no team does that in the regular season. You pretty much always have a ten or eleven man rotation. Two of the guys in the nine man rotation. Just play one rotation, right? They got they get they get, they get in the game once. That's Miles McBride and Taj Gibson. Forty two minutes for Josh Hart. Forty one minutes for DiVincenzo. Forty minutes for Brunson. Forty minutes for Precious Sachua. These dudes need the All Star break. I mean, I would say this is the number one team in the NBA that needs these guys to just go and just like sit for seventy two hours. Just like not you're not going to Cancun. You're not taking the family. Like you just need to go sit. Like, Precious Situa has got to be the most tired man in the NBA right now. 
No, it certainly does, too, because OG plays a lot of minutes, takes a lot of shots. We know Julius Randle is going to come right back on the court there and shoot the ball 20-plus times and give a lot of these guys breaks here. But they're playing a lot of minutes. And, yes, Dante DiVincenzo is not a 40-minute man, people. But that's certainly what he's getting, as Davis pointed out. They really need that break. Losers of four or five, maybe they can turn it back on after the All-Star break. We're going to keep moving here and get to some Super Bowl 58 talk right here on the early line. Come on back with us right here on the green. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, guys, welcome back to the early line here on Sports Grid. Davis Maddock and Donnie Wrightside with you. We did the entire show yesterday with one Mr. Mark Zeno. So we are uh, we are going to talk about the Super Bowl. We are going to go through a Super Bowl recap because, Donnie, you didn't get to fire your takes off on the program yesterday. So this is your space. Kansas City Chiefs, 25. San Francisco 49ers, 22. What is your overall reaction to Super Bowl 58? The simple reaction to me, again, is you're getting caught up being a handicapper most of the time and saying, what do you believe, Davis, is going to happen in these football games? Coming into the Buffalo, we're just going to talk Kansas City right now. Coming into that Buffalo Bills game on the road, I said, now's the time that the Bills should be able to rise up. But I said to myself, banged up defense for the Buffalo Bills. You still have Patrick Mahomes. They picked up a victory the week before. We know the struggles in the playoffs for the Buffalo Bills going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. But this game was a road game, which Patrick Mahomes had never played before. Did they play all that great? Not necessarily, but a late missed field goal by Tyler Bass of the Buffalo Bills sent the Kansas City Chiefs on to the AFC Championship game. So then we start talking about the AFC Championship game. Now you're going to get the Buffalo, excuse me, the Buffalo Bills game and the Miami Dolphins game behind you. Two banged up defenses. Okay, Mahomes was able to do some things and get victories here but that was going to stop in the AFC championship game Lamar Jackson had an MVP season they'll run the football their defense is completely healthy they're rested coming off the bye week two weeks previous and haven't left the state of Maryland in over five to six weeks here so they were rested and ready 17-10 final Mahomes moves on so I say to myself Davis that Monday morning and I said you know what Patrick Mahomes going into the big game. I was so angry on the set, Ben and I going back and forth, that I said, I don't even want a handicap at this point. One team has Patrick Mahomes. Nobody else has him. Forget the handicaps. Forget the yardage. It's just going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, as the week went on, and also the week that we did in Las Vegas, I started to say to myself, Donnie, don't get caught up in this. Don't do this. You know the San Francisco 49ers are superior from start to finish. Yes, Patrick Mahomes on one side, but I have a better total offense on one side and a defense that can match up and get pressure on Patrick Mahomes on the other side. And also, Davis, I was coming into the Super Bowl with this. Kyle Shanahan has been in two previous Super Bowls. I didn't think he was aggressive enough in the last one against the Kansas City Chiefs. He won't make that mistake in this football game. Now, we'll oh, get to brother. some of the big coaching decisions. But for me, Davis, to be honest, I looked at this game and said, I understand people that just said they have Mahomes and the other team doesn't. But I didn't want to get caught up in that. And then I took another loss on the Super Bowl because it was Patrick Mahomes and nobody else on the other side. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to how everyone felt in that overtime period when it's third and four, the 49ers don't convert, and they decide to go for the field goal. Everyone, every person on earth 
every 49er player, everyone holding a 49er ticket, what did they think? They said, oh, well, I'm not going to win. I lose here. Everyone, everyone knew. Not one person in that stadium, Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, George Kittle, they all knew. They all knew when Purdy sailed that ball on third and four because Chris Jones got the pressure. They knew what was going to happen, right? And the Chiefs fans, do you think any Chiefs fan, anyone holding a Chiefs ticket, do you think they were sitting there biting their nails, nervous? Do you think anyone looked at that offense and said, oh, well, they're not going to get it here, right? You know, they line up on fourth and one. They hand the ball off to Pacheco on third and one. It's fourth and one. And they're sitting there. Was anyone going, oh, well, well they're probably not going to get this, right? They probably are going to, and the game will just be over. No, everyone knew they were going to convert that fourth down. Kelsey, by the way, I, I, I've I probably watched every game of his career, I, I would think. Um, I think that play that he made on the third and seven, where he ran across the middle and got it up to the 11-yard line, that might be the best play of his career because he got open so quickly. He caught it in stride. He made the guy miss. It's about as good as it's going to get from Travis Kelsey. I and and look, I I don't think that anyone who had either side of this game was wrong or right. It it literally is about as coin flip of a game as you're going to get. A game that went down. It went to it went to literal overtime. They had to play a whole overtime period to find a winner. I think if they played this game, you know, a hundred times, I, I think maybe you get it fifty one forty nine. But at the end of the day, you're right. One of the teams has Patrick Mahomes and one of the teams has Brock Purdy. And and actually, one of the teams has Andy Reid and one of them has Kyle Shanahan. And uh, I, I actually, let's talk a little bit about the overtime here because I was, I was speculating yeah. on nope. this yesterday because of the whole argument since the game has been, oh, well, do you take it first? Do you, do you take it second? What's right? Uh, Brian Burke over at ESPN did uh, did a study where he just like ran through simulations and basically found it's 51-49 based on if you get it or you receive, so no real differentiation to be made. This was my thought, that actually you were at a disadvantage getting the ball first because if you score a touchdown or a field goal and, and you put the team in a spot where they lose if they don't get a first down, you're actually forcing the other team to play more optimally. You're forcing them to go for every fourth down which puts them in a better position to acquire points. What do you think about that? Yeah, and, and that that was the whole thing. And let me just set the day up for us, Davis, because we did Super Bowl live in studio, and the boys were cooking all day long. It was so much fun. I know you guys were watching out there, really enjoying it along with us. But we were watching the game outside the studio in the first half, and then we came and did the halftime and also post-game. But we didn't have the sound on in the studio, obviously, while Gabe was in there, Joe, and also Pharrell. So they were going back and forth. But I was watching the game a lot with them, particularly, Davis, in that overtime period. Now, we couldn't hear Jim Nance or Tony Romo, which is why the next day I wanted to watch the Super Bowl telecast to see what the announcers were saying. But as soon as that happened, I remember turning around because you couldn't really tell who won the toss or lost it because there was no sound. So I said, oh, look at this. They go, no, 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 no. San Francisco actually won that toss and is going to take the football. I said, this is unbelievable. Like, of course, in the old theories there for the playoffs, you want the ball first because there's a chance the other team won't even get the football. But since they changed it, it was ludicrous to take that football first. And I've said it multiple times on shows. Back in 1998, college football put the institution in of the overtime period, which was never in there before. Our first, actually our second game of the season in 1998, Davis, we actually went to overtime. Our coach took the football first because he wasn't understanding the rules at the time. Now, we actually ended up winning that football game, but it's the wrong decision. And I know it's not the same circumstances as college football, but the ability to know what you need here. And the fact of the matter is, once that played out, I said, this might be one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever seen. 58 years of Super Bowls, this might be the worst. Because it's not the fact that, okay, you're playing for the third possession, which credit Kyle Shanahan on that. You never even got to a third possession, so congratulations on actually playing for that here. But you're giving Mahomes exactly what he needs. If you drove down the football field, Davis, and scored a touchdown for the 49ers, Mahomes goes, cool. I got four downs to work this down the field, and I know I need a touchdown at this point. And also, if you work Kyle Shanahan saying, I'm playing for that third possession, Davis, why on third and four are you throwing the ball? And also, if it still was fourth and four, why aren't you going for that? If you're playing for that third possession, you know you need a touchdown here. But just giving Mahomes what he needs, and also, as it turned out, you saw the 49ers down three points on fourth and one on their own side of the field. Go for it. Why? Because there was no other alternative. They couldn't even punt the football. They knew they had to go for it. Mahomes kept the football and ran it through. Now, the interesting part of this as well is let you see, Davis, if this played out exactly the way the 49ers thought it was going to be. 
Niners drive down and score a touchdown. Chiefs drive down and score a touchdown. You heard Patrick Mahomes in the postgame press conference. goes, if that was a scenario, we were going for it on two-point conversion. They were never even going to get a chance to get a third possession. I was so beside myself in Studio Davis when I figured exactly what happened on the coin toss. You can't take the football first. So that that was that was the the big revelation. The Ringer published a piece yesterday where they talked to players on both teams. And I mean, look, the 49ers coaching staff did not come off real great in those conversations because Kyle Juszczyk is like, dude, we didn't even know the rules. And then the defensive players were like, we did we look like we have not talked about this. And then they were talking to the Chiefs players, and Chris Jones is like, Oh yeah, we practiced this in training camp you know, five months ago, we knew this was the rule. And then the offensive players were saying, not only did we know the rules, we had practiced extra two point plays this week because we knew that in this spot, we were going to go for two. Uh, so, you know, I mean, like, I guess maybe that's a little bit of an example of those, uh, those extra 1% edges that take you from being the second best team in the NFL to the best team in the NFL. I, I think, Ultimately, I'm not killing Shanahan for the decision to receive. It's like half a dozen, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other there. Like, I think I, I do actually think we could argue this. We could do a three-hour show, and I don't know if we would reach a real conclusion on what was right and what was wrong. I'm killing Shanahan for two things. One, I'm killing Shanahan for messing up the clock at the end of the first half where had he used his timeouts, he could have gotten the ball back with about 45 seconds left to get a field goal. And I'm killing him for the way that final possession overtime ended the pass on third and four, not going forward on fourth and four. What, what do we always say? You do not beat Patrick Mahomes with field goals. And that's, that's what they did. No, and you're exactly correct. Like the thought process of the 49ers were driving. And again, I had the 49ers minus one and a half at a couple parlays just tied in with them winning the football game. I'm sitting there pumping my fist. Go, this is a great drive here. McCaffrey had the big play from midfield to sort of rumble down to the 26-yard line. The running game was working. Everything was setting up fine. Even that Kyle Juszczyk catch on a nice pass by Brock Purdy, a questionable play, but under the new rules, was officially a catch. You go, they're going to score a touchdown. At least put the pressure on the Kansas City Chiefs. But you're right about it. Whoever was in that stadium, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid are watching as the viewing audience. The minute it was fourth down, the field goal came out. You said advantage Patrick Mahomes. He has four downs to get 10 yards and move that football down the field. And they went all the way down. And by the way, your point of that Travis Kelsey play over the middle, I'm telling you right now, he's been around the league a long time. I'm not so sure I ever saw a faster route by Travis Kelsey turning on the afterburners when he sort of brought that up the left sideline. That was a great player. And also, having one catch for one yard at the half, having an extended halftime, and Andy Reid coming out going, you know what? We had a bad Super Bowl halftime last year in the first half. We turned on the Jets in the second half. They did the same thing, Davis. They were completely different offense in the second half, which meant they got Kelsey involved. I was thoroughly impressed by that, but I still can't get over. The 49ers, once again, the better football team, a double-digit lead, Davis, in the Super Bowl, and they couldn't beat the Chiefs. Your your intuition is right. NFL Next Gen Stats tweeted out that that was the fastest ball speed Travis Kelsey had been recorded at since 2015. Since 2015. We're back here in a second on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
All right, guys, we are back on the early line here on SportsGrid. Davis Maddock and Donnie Wrightside here with you on the program this morning. We'll also be back with you tomorrow morning. BSS, Ben Scott, Steven, he didn't want to hang out with us. He's he's sick of it. He's like, look, I'm tired of talking about the Super Bowl. I am not tired of talking about the Super Bowl. I uh, I want to pick Donnie's uh, I want to pick Donnie's brain on another aspect of this game. Let's say Donnie. The game just ends in in regular time, right? That uh, you know the Chiefs don't get the field goal they need. Whatever uh, they they make some incomplete pass on fourth down. The 49ers kneel it out. Who do you think wins Super Bowl MVP for the 49ers? I, I've been arguing this, uh, you know, in the in the, the final 48 hours. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bias your opinion. I, I am I'm curious who you had. Juwan Jennings would have been an interesting one, but I still do think it probably would have been a fight between Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. The fact that McCaffrey was on the receiving end of that screen pass and was able to get in, still went well over 100 yards combined rushing and receiving in that football game, but it probably would have been Brock Purdy. Now, also, it is really interesting how it lined up because at the end of that game, and I'm not talking about regulation, that key play, Davis, which we didn't talk about, which was a third down play at the two-minute warning, which... If you throw a pass or run the football and get that first down, the 49ers run that clock out, kick a field goal, and win that game. Exactly. It would have been interesting to see who actually had that key play. Was it a great pass by Brock Purdy? Was it another catch by Juwan Jennings to get that key first down? Or if they hand it off to McCaffrey and he rumbled five yards for that game-clinching first down? That would have been interesting to me, but it really was up in the air. I don't know if they would have gave it to Jennings here, even though he had a touchdown receiving and passing, similar to what you would have saw Hines Ward back when the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Seattle Seahawks. I do have a feeling it was probably going to Brock Purdy due to that last drive getting them in position, but I do think it would have been interesting of who actually got that final first down to me Davis who did you think would have had that MVP in their hands you know I actually think it would have been McCaffrey I I I, well the right winner was Jennings um I if I if I was sitting there in the audience I was a sports writer with a vote I I would have voted I would have been Jennings for sure I think the reason why I think it would have been McCaffrey would have been uh, well one I think they would have been way better off converting that third down play setting up a pass to McCaffrey. Spagnolo, man, what a, what a genius play call that was there, setting it up. I, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, one of the reports after the game was that the 49ers expected all the, like most of the blitzing situations to be zone coverage because that's what the Chiefs had done for every single game, all you know, all 19 or all, I guess 20 games for them for the entire season. And what Spagnolo did was he had McDuffie and Sneed on an island with Debo and Ayuk the whole game. They had no safeties over the top. It was all man coverage and blitzing situations. In fact, we saw two spots where it came up. There was one deep shot to Ayuk that uh, McDuffie broke up, and there was the the deep shot, or I guess it wasn't deep. It was like 20 yards to Debo in the end zone that Purdy missed when he actually had beaten his guy, and they reverted on that play. So on that third down play, they went back to the zone. He he like reconfused Purdy on that spot. But uh, I, I think McCaffrey would have won. Jennings was the rightful winner. How did the prop betting in this game go for you? It was a real mixed bag for me. The McKinnon stuff, the use check stuff, the Noah Gray stuff, all the all the the tertiary guys, the guys who only needed like one or two catches to get there. I hit all of those. But uh, Debo, man, Debo doing nothing in that game just like murdered all of my like same game parlays and correlated stuff because it was all, you know, Debo over 79 and a half combo yards, Debo doesn't score a touchdown. That was, that was the real downfall for me. Yeah, by the way, we were watching outside of the studio, getting prepared here, had it on the big screen. And when Debo fell to the ground, there was a hush that came over the room because everybody before this game loved Debo Samuel, and rightfully so. Two weeks to prepare for Kyle Shanahan. We know he's going to get after. He's going to dial up a lot of plays. And we were very excited by that. But the key thing is he came back. He actually had a bet in there for over two and a half rushes for Debo, which he got to three, which was in a parlay. But the final leg of that parlay was actually the San Francisco 49ers winning that football game. I actually thought I didn't bet that Christian McCaffrey would go over the 90 and a half rushing yards there. I thought he would get there. That one didn't. But I did like under 68 and a half on Isaiah Pacheco because my game script for me, Davis, was going into that football game. I thought the 49ers would be leading in the fourth quarter and you wouldn't get those extracurricular carries, as I like to say for Isaiah Pacheco. But he did stay under that. I thought Brock Purdy would throw for over one and a half touchdown passes before that game started. And to have them say like, oh, by the way, 
The 49ers did throw two touchdown passes in that game. Awesome, Davis. I hit that. No, it was actually Juwan Jennings cashing in on one of those. But during the week last week, I said, if we removed all juice from the equation, and then I'm talking about, hey, let's lay off minus five or minus 600. At game time, Christian McCaffrey was a minus 210 price for an anytime touchdown. And I said, I'm going to take that. And I know as handicappers, sometimes you get a little bit, oh, you can't take juice that high. But I said, let me remove the juice and say, what do I know is going to happen in this game? It's going to be Christian McCaffrey scoring a touchdown, and it didn't happen here. I stayed away from the Travis Kelsey props. But you know what the one thing that was interesting to me, Davis, is we didn't talk a lot about this in Las Vegas, that George Kittle didn't practice the week before leading up to that you know, bye week for the Super Bowl. Then he basically barely practiced on Wednesday and Thursday, getting in a full practice on a late Friday game. I didn't know how he would turn out in the Super Bowl, and it turns out he was certainly ineffective in that one. From a prop perspective, it was an okay game for me, which could have been a lot better if Debo Samuel had scored a touchdown because that was my other touchdown market for me, Davis. Yeah, Kittle, uh, so he injured. This is, uh, again, you know, it's it's kind of these things that are going to get lost to the sands of time yeah. when, you, when you forget these games. So Kittle in the overtime period leaves with a shoulder injury. He runs back to the locker room. I, I don't know. I don't know what they probably just, the trainer probably just looked at it and Kittle said, brother, I'm going back out there. But when Kittle was not out there, his backup, Braden Willis, uh, played at the University of Oklahoma, by the way. Braden Willis, on a second and nine, they get a first down. But what happens? He commits a holding penalty. When George Kittle is in the locker room, his backup commits a holding penalty on Chris Jones. They end up getting backed up, setting up the spot where they end up having to kick the field goal. So it is kind of one of those things that just sort of slips through time. Now, I, I gotta I gotta highlight our attention on really this is gonna be the most profitable wager in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. Just commit this to your memory for next season. Big game, right? So home to the Ravens in the regular season, road to the Bills in the regular season, any playoff game. Mahomes' rushing attempts in these spots all season, it's about four and a half. Uh that's that's just where it sits. You put Pat in a big game, he is going over that number. I, I would have to go back and check this. I would guess if you gave me the criteria and I get to set the criteria as quote-unquote big game, I bet Pat's going over four and a half rushing attempts in those spots like, I don't know, 75% of the time or something. Ends up with the 66 rushing yards. He has um, the great run on fourth and one. He's got uh, Then he had a, like a 20-yard scramble that ended up setting up the winning touchdown to McCole Hardman. And, and you know, I'm not breaking any new ground here. But by Sunday morning, everyone, everyone was, I don't know one person who did not bet Mahomes over four and a half rushing attempts. Were you on this one? I wasn't actually on that, but you're right about the sediment. Like every time they would show Patrick Mahomes over 25 and a half rushing yards, not a single person, Davis, on the set was like, yeah, you know what? Mahomes isn't running here. Like we've been quoting the term a big game runner all season long for Patrick Mahomes if you need it. And also some of that gameplay, Davis, that we talk about, right? And I use this term many times last week. In weeks 10, 11, or 12, right? Hey, do I want to, on third and four, roll out of the pocket and take on two linebackers to get a first down? No, you don't want to do that early in the season. But in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, you are giving max effort on every single play. And that certainly showed with Patrick Mahomes, who also had the largest, the longest rush in the Super Bowl game. If you would even parlayed both of those quarterbacks here to get their numbers together, they did. As Brock Purdy barely went over his rushing total as well. I'm always under the guise here, Davis. When you get into Super Bowls and big game situations, I always like the quarterbacks to be over. Because if the play is not there to be made, there's no longer, hey, live another day, we'll get it on the next drive. These guys will actually run the football and see what they can do. Neither one wound up with a touchdown in this, but I was not surprised at all that Patrick Mahomes was so active with his legs, a very underrated runner. And also, I did see one of the statistics here. In Super Bowl history, as a quarterback for rushing yards, it's now Patrick Mahomes by a landslide out there, Davis, as the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, Mahomes also, I mean, this is just uh, so funny how he is so valuable to the Chiefs franchise and and how, honestly, how sad the history of the Chiefs has been. Mahomes is also the all-time postseason leading rusher for the entire yeah, franchise. For the entire franchise, he is the, the postseason leading rusher. Uh, the Purdy one is actually illustrative of something we talk a lot about here on SportsGrid, which is like the value in getting a good number. Because what was his mm-hmm. opening rushing total? 11 and a half. He ends up beating that. What was his closing rushing total Sunday morning? 13 and a half does not tough. end up beating that. Yeah, pretty tough if you ended up taking the closing line there. Now, uh, I mean, look, we, we we haven't even gotten into hot take territory here yet. What are, How are you feeling 
about Brock Purdy right now. Is Brock Purdy Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? What, what you know, if Brock Purdy, uh, he's got two years left on his rookie deal, so they got some time. Uh, they got some time to think about that. But just kind of in general, what's your sentiment about Purdy after this game? He's a really good quarterback for the 49ers. Now, I'm not knocking him here, and that sounds what it is, but it's not to say, like, if you take him and put him on the Panthers, he's a dominating quarterback. In that system, he's a way better version, way better version of Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you're going to keep Kyle Shanahan as your coordinator and surround him with talented weapons, he's going to be a very good quarterback for a long time with the 49ers. Sort of that old-school guy, right? Hey, if I have to run, I'll certainly do it, but I'm quick enough to make those decisions and reads in that offense. I don't think anybody, Davis, sat back in that game and goes, man, what a big discrepancy between Mahomes and Brock Purdy. They were going toe-to-toe, and he was going toe-to-toe with maybe what's all said and done going to be the best quarterback in the history of the sport, and that would include Tom Brady. So for myself, the worry of during the week, well, I know Mahomes has been there before and played well. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Brock Purdy. Maybe a shaky performance to start the games in the divisional round and the NFC Championship game, but I thought Brock Purdy was very good in that football game. Yes, he missed a couple throws. Should have connected with Debo on that touchdown. Maybe he could have got Ayuk on that deep shot. I get it. But in the biggest moments, he was delivering there, Davis. So I was impressed by Brock Purdy, and I think they got themselves a pretty good quarterback moving forward. You know what? I, I do, too. I think there's going to be a pretty big overreaction here that's basically just like, oh, you know. it's And it is kind of the same old Shanahan problem of like, okay, you get you have this great team. You get to the big spot, and you don't have the guy mm-hmm. to play you out of your trouble. But you know who also doesn't have the guy to play you out of trouble? Like uh, every other team. I, I, I would say <laughs> yes, correct. like there's I like my tier rankings would be Mahomes in a tier by himself. Then Josh, Lamar, and Burrow and Hertz probably would be that next tier. And then, I mean, I think Purdy's probably in that next tier of, like, Stafford and, uh, you know, Jordan Love and Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff and, like, uh, you know, like, he's a Trevor Lawrence. Like, would you rather have Brock Purdy or Trevor Lawrence? I, I think you would be kind of fooling yourself if you could definitively say, Oh, I definitely like Trevor Lawrence is way better than Brock Purdy. Like maybe, but I I don't know. Like Purdy, I I think the big difference between Purdy and the other quarterbacks of the Shanahan realm, right? And there's been a lot of them, right? Remember C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins winning games for the 49ers? Is is Purdy is actually like a pretty capable deep thrower in a way that the other 49ers quarterbacks were not? I I. I don't know if I remember one like 30-yard frozen rope to George Kittle from Jimmy Garoppolo, but Purdy can make those throws. I think uh, it's it's just a little bit of the decision-making stuff and the true trust of the quarterback. Like, But I, I think there's going to be calls this offseason for the 49ers, you know, make a trade or do X, Y, or Z. And I, I don't think I don't think you do that. I think Purdy is, is definitely good enough to ride, you know, basically just to run back this season again and say, you know, maybe we get to the big game. Maybe the Chiefs lose to the Bills, and then we just end up smoking the Bills because that is what we do uh, as a team. Guys, that does a a comprehensive review of the Super Bowl. We are going to go ahead and run at a break here on the program. Got some more hoops coming up, more Super Bowl. Don't go anywhere. It's Davis Maddox and Dami Wrightside with you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, guys, welcome back to the early line, closing out hour one here on the program. Going to toss it over to Donnie for some college hoops. Got a wild one. Kansas and Texas Tech, just a mm. blowout for Texas Tech. What What is the deal, man? This is not the University of Kansas that uh, that I have grown up with. No, it certainly isn't here. You expect losses for the Kansas Jayhawks and everybody to get their best shot, Davis, here, particularly on the road. But I don't think we expect teams like the Texas Tech Red Raiders to pace Kansas by close to 30 points here. But if you are Kansas and you make 17 total field goals here, shooting only 32%, which included 18% from the the three-point line, you're going to get damaged in a lot of these. By the way, Texas Tech is a very competent team, but it's just hard, Davis, to win in the Big 12 on the road. But you're right about this if you're expecting kansas to be one of those super dominant programs getting hunter dickinson here it hasn't really been that case but also throughout college basketball there's a lot of parity and this shows it but what it shows to me most of all the big 12 is for real a lot of good basketball teams there davis yeah i love i love the idea of the big 12 as a as a basketball conference uh a, a deserved a deserved reputation here in the midwest at the, the birthplace of uh of basketball all right Wake Forest and Duke, another Mm. pretty wild one here. We got the Wake Forest loss to Duke. What do you make of this one? Yeah, broke down the basketball game yesterday. Actually took Wake Forest Davis at plus seven and a half. And you can do the math, 77 to 69. That's an eight-point victory by Duke. And it came down to an 80% free throw shooter with a one-and-one with around 10 seconds to go. And he bricked the free throw. And away I go with a half-point loss. That's a good win for the Blue Devils. But by the way, Wake Forest Demon Deacons, Keep an eye out for them late season in the ACC and the ACC tournament and then in the March Madness. That's a pretty tough team here. Nice win by Duke at home, by the way. All right. We got more hoops action coming for you in the next hour. We are also going to do a little bit more of Super Bowl chatter. We're going to do some golf. We are going to talk about if the Oklahoma is uh, if Oklahoma is part of the Midwest or if it is not. We might have to bring up some official uh, geological classifications by the United States federal government to settle some arguments. We're going to go ahead and run into break here on the early line. See you guys back in a few moments. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer. Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.